Welcome to your Daily Cup of Inspiration podcast with Deanna Hobbs, founder of Empowering Everyday Women Ministries, broadcasting live from our headquarters studios in Buffalo, New York. Visit us online at empoweringeverydaywomen.org. Today's inspiration is to encourage you to reveal your scars. What you go through in life has purpose, and God can use the ugliest, most painful things as a testimony of His greatness and His power to redeem, restore, resurrect, and make all things new. In the hands of the Father, your pain turns to purpose, trauma turns to triumph, and ashes turn into beauty. So don't hide behind the prison of pretense. Unedit yourself and let God use your story to get glory. Welcome to this your Tuesday, September 29th, 2020 edition of your Daily Cup of Inspiration podcast. It's Deanna Hobbs here bringing you the biggest smiles and the warmest greetings ever. It is day eight of our unedited series. Woohoo! <laughs> That's right. We got through the halfway point yesterday in the series and the time is going by so fast, but I've been loving this teaching that God has sent to us to remind us that God uses the vulnerable, weak, and imperfect people like you and me. Hasn't God just been ministering to us so richly through his word? I love the Lord and I appreciate you tuning in in record numbers to this series. That just lets me know that you, like me, are hungry for the word of God and it is my complete joy and honor to share with you. An awesome testimony from a precious member of our faith community named Leah in Orlando was submitted to the ministry and she wrote this. Hello, Deanna. Thank you for your beautiful unedited series. I was sadly sexually assaulted two years ago and the trauma of it led to depression and an eating disorder and living in constant fear. I started abusing prescription drugs to cope and this led to substance abuse issues. I went to rehab six months ago and was fighting every day not to relapse. After I got out, I started listening to your encouragements for a dose of strength, and your teaching just drew me closer to God than ever. My faith in Jesus and the power of the gospel is stronger now than it ever was. Thank you for teaching. May God keep on blessing you more and more. Well, praise God. I love this. The power of the gospel is real. Leah, thank you for sharing this testimony. May God continually strengthen you on your faith journey, bless you, and keep you. Can we get a praise break right now for Leah? Powerful and inspiring testimonies like this remind us that God is transforming lives through this ministry. We are grateful for your support that keeps these broadcasts available online as a free resource to help others grow. If you are being blessed and you believe in our mission to share the gospel, sow a seed of any size at empoweringeverydaywomen.org donate. Thank you for your generosity. All right, let's begin day eight of our unedited series with a prayer. God, here we are again, hungry and thirsty for your word. I know you sent this person to press play because there's a special message you have for them today. I just move out of the way so you can speak clearly and deliver an anointed, liberating word in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I talked to my mom yesterday. It was her birthday. She turned 68, and I was so glad to hear her voice and know that she's doing well. God is good. 
And last night, Kenya was sharing a memory with me, incidentally, involving my mother that I have no personal recollection of. But it made me so emotional, I had to collect myself. And I'm going to tell you about it because transparency is what this series is all about. So Kenya and I were in our room talking last night, and he told me when I was in the ICU last year and was having all those seizures, things took a really dark turn. And it was August 7th. 2019 in the wee hours of the morning on a Wednesday when I started declining and convulsing. He told me I had such a massive seizure that the doctors put him out of the room and made him go into the waiting room so they could try to stabilize me. And Kenya said when they let him back in the room, I wasn't doing well at all. I came in and out of consciousness, and when I was barely conscious, I was telling him, I can't do this. I I just want to stop. He said, I told him, I think I'm going to die. And he said he could see me. How did he say it? He said, slipping into resignation. That's what he said. Like, I had just checked out. Like, I was tired. I was tired of fighting. He said, then I went unconscious and was unresponsive. And during that time, he rubbed my hand and talked to me, hoping I'd respond to his voice, but nothing. And Kenya stayed by my bedside praying. And he said he knew that if he couldn't get to me, the only other person in the natural who could was my mother. And so he called my mom while I was unresponsive. And Kenya pulled his phone out last night while he was telling me this, Daily Cut family, to check the time of the call. He still has it logged in his phone. And he asked my mother, please talk to Deanna. And he was telling her the situation. And then he he said he put the phone up to my ear and laid it on my face. And he said my mother talked for a couple of minutes and at first nothing But then Kenya said she kept on talking and I started coming back and I smiled a little bit and then I tried to talk to her. And he said that call helped put some fight back in me because it didn't look good. And that was just a lot to hear from me. It's so strange that he has so many stories and memories that I don't. And that raw, unedited moment, though it was difficult to hear, I'm glad he shared it. And I'm sharing it with you because somebody needs to see what I went through and know that God's resurrecting power is real. He can raise us up, restore us, and turn things around, right? Somebody else is listening and has had a mini stroke or a massive stroke, and you're having challenges, and you need to know that God is able to bring you through and help you bounce back. It might not happen overnight, but if you keep going and taking one step at a time by faith, one day at a time, things will get better with God's help. You know, some people feel too uncomfortable to reveal their unedited scars, and I get it. It is uncomfortable to a degree. And years ago, back in 2007, in obedience to God, I launched Empowering Everyday Women Online Magazine. It's called EEW Magazine Online. And as the influence of the magazine grew, I interviewed many high-profile leaders and mega-pastors and award-winning gospel singers, well-known evangelists, authors, and Bible teachers and entrepreneurs. And during those conversations, there were many off-the-record moments of vulnerability where they opened up about some of the stuff that they were actively going through through, struggling with, or had been through, but didn't feel at liberty to say so because they thought it would take away from their role as a leader or encourager. So they just choose to bottle up the pain and live behind bars in a prison of pretense. 
And I know that everything isn't for public consumption. I believe I said this before during this series, but some things can be helpful. And if you never reveal your vulnerabilities and you hide your weaknesses to inspire strength in others, it starts to eat away at you. And you end up trying to hold yourself to an unrealistic standard, a higher standard than Jesus even held himself to. Jesus went through public humiliation with all the events surrounding crucifixion. They laughed at Jesus, mocked him. Crucifixion was shameful and embarrassing, a form of death reserved for criminals. But Philippians 2 and 8 says he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And even after crucifixion, Jesus showed his scars, the nail prints in his hands and feet and the holes in his side from where he was pierced. And he did that for the purpose of helping his disciples believe that he he had really in fact risen from the dead just as he said he would. Specifically, one of the 12 main disciples named Thomas. His name means twin, and he earned the nickname Doubting Thomas because in the Gospel of John, you may already know that Thomas was skeptical about Jesus's resurrection. Sure, he was in Jesus's inner circle, but when the other disciples told him that they saw the resurrected Jesus when Thomas wasn't with them, he said, nah, I'm not going to believe that without firsthand proof. In John 20 and 20, Thomas made it plain. He said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. These are the exact words verbatim spoken by Thomas, a man who really knew Jesus, really loved Jesus, really followed Jesus, really experienced Jesus's power up close and personal. And I'm so glad this story remained in scripture and that some politically correct leader who assumed it wasn't healthy for a leader of Thomas's stature to show this side of themselves, didn't have editorial control. Otherwise, this passage would have been edited out because it can be challenging to understand how somebody like Thomas, who walked so closely with Jesus, failed to believe that he had been resurrected, even though Thomas, just like the other disciples, had heard Jesus talking about dying and rising again on the third day. Thomas had spent around three years being with the Savior, seeing miracles, and yet he he struggled with his faith in this moment. I think Thomas's behavior here seems a little shocking too, because there's an example of Thomas in scripture standing up for Jesus and showing his loyalty. If you've had the chance to listen to day seven of the unedited series, Yesterday's Teaching, you know we talked about when Jesus learned that his friend Lazarus had died. And after waiting a couple of days, he headed to Bethany, which was a village in Judea where Lazarus lived. Well, Thomas was right there when this whole thing was was happening. And before making the trip, when Jesus told his disciples that they had to go back to Judea, the disciples weren't excited because if you go to the previous chapter, the Jews in Judea had tried to stone Jesus for saying he was the son of God and they didn't believe it and accused Jesus of blasphemy. And Jesus's reputation wasn't good among Jewish religious leaders. So when Jesus said he was going to go back into hostile territory where he was almost killed, the disciples tried to talk Jesus out of it. And in this very moment, despite the disciples protesting and not really being on board with it, John 11 and 16 says, Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. 
I mean, look at this. Thomas got bold and he supported Jesus. He was sold out to the point that he was willing to die. He knew the dangers, but believed in Jesus's ministry so much that he would lay down his life for it. But then after Jesus had died, this same Thomas who had been bold in his faith enough to die, didn't have enough faith to believe that the Savior had been resurrected. And I don't want to throw Thomas under the bus here because he loved Jesus. Clearly he did, but he had a raw, unedited, human, weak moment. But thank God for Jesus, who is so merciful and kind. He showed up a week later and visited Thomas in John 20 and 26 through 27. When all the disciples were together, scripture says, Jesus stopped by and said directly to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas did believe because he had seen Jesus's scars. When I was in the ICU, I had this speech language pathologist and she was really warm and kind. And I think I've mentioned her earlier this year in a previous podcast, but she was there to assess me and help me deal with some of the side effects I was experiencing after my mini stroke and seizures. And one of the issues I was having is called aphasia. I had expressive aphasia where I knew what I wanted to say, but I couldn't find the words I needed to say it. And this is common among people who have experienced what I went through. I also had difficulty swallowing. So my speech language pathologist was showing me the best positions for swallowing, teaching me how to eat and drink. And she explained that my tongue had shifted in my mouth and some other things were going on. It was a whole lot. I couldn't name the days of the week, couldn't count. My brain was scrambled. And before God stepped in, it took a whole team to hold me up to try to give me some physical therapy because I had no strength or mobility on my left side. I couldn't feel. But I remember the day that, by faith, I got up and walked, and God, in an instant, mm, oh, bless his name, miraculously restored my speech and my ability to think and walk and move around in the hospital and swallow. And I was just hours out of the ICU, and they were preparing for the long-term rehab I'd need. Nobody expected me to get better anytime soon. And my speech pathologist, after this wonderful miracle happened, came by to retest me because previously I had failed all my cognitive and speech tests with flying colors. But after Jesus met me in that hospital, everything she asked me to say or do, I was able to do it with no problem. She told me I'm a Jewish woman and I practice Judaism. But after seeing your amazing testimony and hearing all about your faith in Jesus, it makes me want to explore this faith in Jesus. And she said, I think your testimony has power to convert others because we've never seen anything like this and everybody is talking about it. And she cried in my hospital room while my brother and sister-in-law who were in from out of town were sitting there witnessing this. And that spoke to me deeply because as difficult as it was for me to go through that, somebody in that hospital needed to see my scars up close and hear me talk about Jesus Christ and his healing power so that they would believe he was using my pain for his own purposes. That's why I don't edit out my scars, my embarrassing moments, vulnerabilities, low moments, or moments like I had in the hospital when I thought I'd die. That's real. That's life. And it's necessary for you to see how low I sank so you can appreciate how God has lifted me up by his power. Psalm 40 and 2 is my testimony. It says he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my 
my goings, and I'm so grateful he lifted me up because the pit was truly horrible. But God knew even then that the horrible pit couldn't hold me. That mud that I was sinking in couldn't pull me down for long. God knew that when I was in a bad way, the worst way, he had a plan to use that to get the glory. You know, it was prophesied to me from an early age that God would use me, my life, and work through me. And I didn't always know what that meant when I was young, but growing up in the church, I would always hear adults say, God really used you after someone sang a solo in church or preached a sermon or did something talent related that was on stage or on a platform. And so I learned to associate being used by God with singing on a program at church or filling some visible role that usually included a microphone, teaching a sermon. What I didn't know back then is that you don't need a microphone for God to use you. He will use you in the hospital room. He will take your worst pain and bring purpose out of it. He will use your scars. As I got a little older, of course, my daddy taught me that and other great men and women of faith. But when I was young, my understanding was limited. But now I know that scars speak. They testify of the power of God. The scars that Jesus showed Thomas came from intense pain and suffering. And it was the greatest display of being used by God that ever was or ever will be. And there was no microphone. There was no grand speech. It was ugly, humiliating, grueling, painful. Nobody was applauding. But Jesus went through all that to redeem us from sin, reconcile us with the Father, and give us the gift of eternal life. There's a story behind those scars, and though it's painful, it's purposeful. There's purpose in that stuff you're going through, purpose in the stuff that made you cry, purpose in the stuff you felt like you'd never come back from, purpose in it. There was purpose in Jesus's wounds, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes. Oh, bless his name. We are healed according to Isaiah 53 and 5. Thank God he was wounded for you and me. Without that pain and his scars and the shedding of his blood, there would be no remission of sin. There would be no redemption for us. There would be no way for us to overcome. Jesus did that. Nobody did it but him. Jesus, the resurrected Savior. Jesus, the Christ. Jesus, the Son of David. Jesus, the light of the world. Jesus, the Lamb of God. Jesus, the Lion of Judah. Jesus, the Lord of Lords. Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus, the Alpha and Omega. Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Jesus, the Living Water. Jesus, the Living Bread. Jesus, Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Jesus, my Healer. Jesus, Jesus, my redeemer. Jesus, my sustainer. Jesus, my restorer. I like the way the old saints used to say it. Jesus, my doctor in the sick room. Jesus, my lawyer in the courtroom. Jesus, my bridge over troubled water. Jesus, my joy in sorrow. Jesus, my hope for tomorrow. The mothers in the church said, I know him to be a heart fixer and a mind regulator. I wish I had a Hammond B3 organ. I feel a little Pentecostal right now. Oh, but when you see my scars and when you show somebody your scars and where you were versus where you are now, they see Jesus. So don't edit them out. They are evidence that Jesus is alive, that he got up out of the grave and rose with all power, that he snatched 
the keys of death. And now he has a name that is above all other names. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue must confess that he is Lord. Get this, when you reveal your scars and your testimony, you can convince somebody that there is power in the blood of Jesus. Your testimony, your scars help reveal Jesus to a broken and hurting world or even to a doubting Thomas who already loves Jesus but is a little weak in the faith right now. By sharing where God brought you from, you give them the evidence they need to trust in the name of the Lord and believe that the same God who did it for you is able to do it for them too. Today, I'm stirring the first portion of Revelation 12 and 11 in the King James Version into your cup of inspiration, which says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. As you drink down the contents of your cup, know that when you don't edit out, hide or conceal your scars and pain, God brings purpose out of it. Your pain was not in vain. Your testimony is powerful and God wants to use all of it to get the glory. Now let's pray. God, I pray for this, my sister, this, my brother. Thank you for the sacrifice of your son and his beautiful scars that remind us that his resurrection power is real. I ask that you touch the person listening and assure them that every pain, you will turn it into purpose. Every tear will water the seeds of their destiny and every trial you will turn into a triumph and use them so that your name will be glorified through them in the earth. In Jesus' name. We bless you now. Amen. Your daily cup of inspiration has been brought to you by Empowering Everyday Women Ministries, where we fuel your faith every day. For more information, log on to yourdailycupofinspiration.com.